The following is a continuation in our series looking at how God uses us to help one another. We hope you enjoy. Have a little treat for you tonight. Yeah. I am not teaching you. Caroline's going to know. So, I'm going to open our time in prayer, and then I'm going to let Caroline take us away. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time. Thank you for this youth group where we can come together and open your word and learn about how you have changed us and transformed us and, and how that translates into daily life, Lord, especially when it comes to relationships. So tonight, I ask that you would watch over us and give us a ten of hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's fun. Okay, so have any of y'all ever seen The Office? Yes. Raise your hand. Lots of people. That's good. So if you haven't, it's a fake documentary about a bunch of people in an office. And there's two main characters named Jim and Dwight. And so if you've ever heard a saying like, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, that's pretty much how they operate. So there's that time where Jim puts a bunch of nickels in Dwight's phone and then removes them all at once, so he hits himself in the face with the phone. There's the time that Jim pretends to be future Dwight and faxes from his future self that the coffee is poisoned. There's the time that Jim pretends to be Dwight and says, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Yes, so the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So what is this relationship based on? Raise your hands if anybody has any guesses. What is this relationship? Go for it, Deja. Mutual hatred of someone. Mutual hatred of someone. Yes, exactly right. Any other things? What, is, what could this relationship be based on? Get a Gideon. Proximity. Proximity, yes. Poking the bear. The love of poking the bear, yes. So clearly this relationship when they are allied together against other people in the office whether it's the party planning committee a new salesman or another company that's trying to take over they are allied because of mutual hatred of something is that good no no so what should our relationships be based on okay first point if you're taking notes our relationships are based in the gospel I think it was Ryan to read Ephesians 1 or 4, 1 through 7. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all. And through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, so I think the basis for that, we're going to go chunk by chunk. The first couple verses is remembering our call. What is our call as Christians in relationships? And what is our call in relationships in general? Paul urges his readers by recounting his work for them as a prisoner in the Lord reminding them of the high calling that they've been given. He emphasizes the worthiness of the call of Christ. And it's so worthy because of what Christ did and then called us to do as a result. So Christ, who in all things are unified, 
he calls us to then unify the things in our life. So that's our call, is to reach out to others and build up from within. The second point of that is remembering who called us. So Paul says bearing with. Have y'all ever been in a relationship where you've had to bear with someone? When you're thinking of bearing with someone, what are the things that you think of? Hands, any comments? Tree? Putting up with nonsense. Anything else? Yeah. Putting up with their constant chatter. Putting up with their constant chatter. So I think generally when we think of bearing with someone, it's a hard thing. And the connotations are long term. And I feel like in our closest relationships, bearing with someone is such a wonderful thing, but also such a challenging thing. When we're reflecting on what our call is as Christians, we rebear with one another. That's rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. And those are really hard things because sometimes people are going through things that we don't really even understand. But because we know who called us, Christ is the one who's called us. So we know that in bearing with one another, we are imitating Christ. And when we are bearing with one another, he is pouring into us so that we have the energy and the ability to bear with one another. If we remember who Christ is, it helps us to know how to bear with one another and why we bear with one another. Because Christ bears with us every day and did on the cross. And there have been many times that, even with y'all, that I'm super quick to speak and not understand who I'm sitting with. And really trying to bear with y'all is hard sometimes. And y'all trying to bear with me is hard sometimes. And y'all trying to bear with each other is hard sometimes. But when we're in those relationships, when they're really, really difficult and we do not know what to do, remembering who has bared with us first is vital to those relationships because it helps us remember why and how we bear with each other. Lastly on this point, there is one body, one spirit, one hope. The Trinity is another fuel for why we bear with each other because God is the perfect community showing us how to bear with one another because of the perfect community of the Trinity. Remembering who equips us. One of the lines of the verse is, grace was given to each one of us. So when you hear grace was given to each one of us, you think like gifts. So every one of you has gifts. And in getting to talk to all of y'all, I've gotten to see so many of your gifts. And seeing how you interact with each other, I've seen what you're really good at. And then I've also seen y'all go through a lot of hard things and a lot of things that have been really challenging for you and things that you wish didn't happen and church hurt or relationship hurt or all the span or like just hard relationships with your parents and with your friends. It's hard, but grace was given to each one of us. And we remember that when we're in relationships with people, the Lord has equipped us with our suffering However unpleasant our suffering is, has equipped us with our suffering and gifts from him to be able to reach out to others. So through remembering our call, remembering who calls us, and remembering who equips us, that helps it to be the base of our relationships. We know Christ is the base of our relationships because of who called us, what our call is, and how he's equipped us.
This is an example from the Paul David Tripp book that we're doing the things based off of. So you're telling your friend a story. Have you ever had a frustrating experience that you wanted to tell someone? Perhaps you've had an important thing and you were held up because someone was in the way or someone was walking slow in front of you. Because I know that's some of y'all's pet peeve of all pet peeve. Or your sibling was late and so you then couldn't leave. Like everyone's had those things. So you're telling your friend this, imagine, and how would you feel if he responded with a lecture on the fact that you took the wrong way and he learned years ago that there was a much more efficient route? Or, oh, why aren't you just friends with your siblings? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why aren't y'all getting along? Like, how do you feel if he interrupts your story to talk of a story that has a little bit of relation but not a whole lot. How do you feel in those moments? Well, in this moment that we're talking about, your friend only really saw the surface level thing when he responded. Um, He spoke to whatever you were going through and not necessarily to you. So he spoke more to the traffic or the sibling or whatever it is that's the daily annoyance. So in our relationships, we must imitate Christ by knowing and addressing the deepest need. So not only the surface level, but knowing and addressing the deepest need. So how do we build, grow, and maintain relationships? Well, so if our base is the gospel, then our relationships are also fueled by the gospel. So Davey's going to read Luke 19, 1 through 10 for us. Luke 19, 1-10. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled, as he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. As we're about to go into the next section, I'm going to hit four points. Okay, ways to build relationships in the gospel. Enter the person's world. Um, Incarnate the love of Christ to them. Identify with their suffering and answer our call in that relationship. So first, we'll look at entering the person's world. So think, okay, so you're Zacchaeus. And you're climbing up this tree, and you're like, all I want to do is look at Jesus. Like, that's crazy. Like, imagine just wanting to look. I feel like it's like what the Taylor Swift nuts are like. I just must look at her. Like, I don't even need to really interact with her. But, like, if I can just see her, I want to know about her. I want to be, like, somewhat near her presence. That is so Jesus says, Zacchaeus. Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Imagine Taylor Swift, or whoever your Taylor Swift is, says, hurry and come to my house today. Can you imagine the person that you most admire in your life being eager to enter your world? 
Like, that is crazy. And, like, have you all ever felt the feeling of entering into somebody else's world? It's a different kind of relationship than casual relationships are. It's when someone shares something with you that you're like, I feel like I'm in your world now. I understand why you're thinking the way you're thinking. I understand your actions. And Jesus did that all the time. He knew the hearts and minds of the people that he was going to. So he says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. First of all, Jesus knows who he is and his past when he's calling him down. He knows this person, yet he calls to him. He notices his actions as well, and he reaches out and enters Zacchaeus's world. So how can we grow relationship unless we enter someone's world? Have you ever been in a relationship, a deep, close relationship, where like you weren't really in their world? When you're in a close relationship, are involved in our life in a different way. We imitate Christ as we enter other people's worlds, and we cling to Christ as we enter other people's worlds because he is our example of entering, and he's the one who pours on us so that we can enter in. The second thing of relationship building is showing the love of Christ. So you've entered their world, right? You know some of their thoughts. You kind of understand their way of thinking because they're your friends. Imagine your friends right now. This isn't one of those cheesy, like, have intentional relationships conversations. These are your friendships that you have close friends. Because y'all are close friends. Like, I've seen you interact with each other. Y'all are making stupid faces. But you do. You love each other in really flawed ways, but you love each other. And I love y'all in really flawed ways, but I love y'all. So, but... We must show the love of Christ. He knew that Zacchaeus had a past of doing horrible things to people. And he knew that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And he knew that people did not respect Zacchaeus. And he knew what everybody else was going to think if he went into Zacchaeus' home. But his reaching out and entering the world of Zacchaeus was a direct reflection of his character and the gospel. He enters into Zacchaeus' world knowing the truth about Zacchaeus, but wants to be with him, not dependent on his past or how other people see him. And he wants to be with y'all in the same way. And because he wants to be with us and is with us in the same way, that is our call to reach out to other people. And that's so wonderful because... Again, I'm going to say this again and again and again, but the reason that we can do these things are because Christ pours into us so abundantly that we are able to go out and show his love for other people, even though it's really, really hard. It's really hard. Okay, can I get John to read 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7, please? Okay. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Our third of four points is identifying with suffering. So I talked a little bit about the experiences and the gifts that you've been given, but the experiences are really what I'm going to focus on in this part. 
So, Paul says, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will share in our comfort also, or you will also share in our comfort. This is a really crazy statement, because I think sometimes we think of Christianity as a really sterile thing, where we're kind of just like, okay, I'm in myself, I'm trying to follow the Lord, my relationships are almost kind of shallow, because if I acknowledge any of the hard things in my life, or any of the hard things in other people's life, things get really messy. And if I say that I'm doing badly, or a Christian has mistreated me, or I've mistreated someone else, or I'm struggling with these thoughts, that seems uncomfortable. And that's why it's vital when we're dealing with these Christian relationships to go in understanding that we need to identify with other people's suffering. And we can identify with other people's suffering without being fake. We can. I mean, I've talked to y'all. Like, I know some of the experiences that y'all have had, and they're really, really hard ones. Like, where you've mistreated people, and where people have mistreated you. And, I mean, our sin and other people's reaction to our sin, and our reaction to other people's sin. So, it's really vital, though, that we let the other person that we're talking to, or the person that's talking to us, lets us know that we, in Christ, are all the same. Just because I've been made new, doesn't mean that my life is perfect, doesn't mean that my struggle is still not there. So when you're talking to someone, or talking to a friend, or just remembering who you are, identify with suffering. When someone tells you something like, oh my gosh, my sibling made us late for school today, it's like, okay, yes, that's a very simple thing. But obviously it's not right to be like, your sibling's terrible, that's awful that they did that. But you don't have to beat them over the head with, Oh, but you need to love your sibling. And if you're not friends with your sibling, something's wrong. We identify with people's suffering, and our goal is not to nitpick what we think is right and what we think is wrong in people's lives. Because often, like, my friend will say, oh, my G.O.D. And I'm like, okay, well, objectively, I know. They shouldn't be saying, oh, my G.O.D. They should not. But if they're saying that in the context of telling me that their relative died... I probably shouldn't be like, why did you just use God's name in vain? (laughs) We address the person, and by identifying with their suffering, we address the person. We are with the person in their suffering, not just a witness to their suffering. Which, it's so much harder to be identifying with suffering than it is to be a witness to suffering. If someone's relative gets really, really hurt, you are with them in that suffering, acknowledging that that is a horrible thing because the Lord was with us in our sufferings. And Paul says, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Um, you endure the same sufferings that we endure. He is with his church, with his people, with his friends in their suffering. Which is not a sterile, casual Christian friendship. It's a deep one. So our fourth point on building relationships is answering our call, which is the end goal of all of our relationships. So we kind of went over what our call was and how that's the base of our relationships. In the verse, 
that John just read. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. Paul David Tripp writes, We sturdily refuse to condemn, but we also refuse to condone. We accept people with a grace that empowers us for God's work of heart change. Anything less cheapens his grace and denies the gravity of our need. So let's explain and tear down that a little bit. We sturdily refuse to condemn. So when someone's talking to us and tells us something that we're like, is hope for people. And there is hope for the people talking to you. Our first reaction is not you're going to hell. Like, like that's just not our first reaction to things. That's not our call, is to tell people that. But we also refuse to condone. So we pursue truth in our relationships, being with people in the suffering, pursuing that truth. We know what God's picture for the world is. We know what his will is in our lives. That, like, say if your friend is an alcoholic, So you don't condone that behavior, but you are with them in the trial that is the struggle of alcoholism. They're struggling. They're going up and down, up and down, up and down. And it's really hard to be in relationship at times in that because you could be in a down cycle with them. You can be in an up cycle with them. But it's really, really hard. But we have hope that the Lord is working in those relationships and we comfort as we have been comforted we have been comforted in christ and therefore we can share that hope with other people that are struggling because ultimately we can give as much good advice or practical advice we can help them rid themselves of struggles we can be with them in hard situations but ultimately the true help the one that we have is christ who's justified us who reached out to us who entered our world And he sees our struggles and uses our struggles that we may help other people. Have any of y'all seen Bluey? Okay, love it. I'm glad. It's my kind of people. Bluey is a wonderful show, and one of the largest contributors to that is how the parents interact with the kids. Like, my gosh. If I was ever a parent, like... That would be my ultimate goal, like, of parenting, is to be exactly like them. It's clear to see that their identity as Bluey and Bingo's mom and dad, that drives what they do. That drives everything that they do. So, have any of y'all seen the episode where the parents are really, really tired on the couch, and they turn on the whale documentary, and their kids are trying to get them to play this whale-watching journey thing with them? And they're like, no, 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 we're too tired for that. And so they turn on a whale documentary, and it says on the whale documentary, a mother whale does anything for her children. And the mom is just like, oh, that is awful to hear when you're not playing with your kids. And it says a mother whale does everything for her children. So she proceeds to immediately join the game after she hears this, and it's like... And you see her come over the face of the TV, and it's great. And it's the greatest picture of what parents do for their children, and it's amazing. But notice, though, it encapsulates what I've been talking about, that 
Our relationships are based in our calling. Their calling is being mom and dad. And our calling is one that Christ has loved us first, and he loves the world. And so our calling defines our actions, just like her calling as a mother causes her to, like, whale watch over the TV. Our calling drives us into the lives of other people, entering into their suffering, into their rejoicing, however hard that may be. And even though it is hard, we can be confident that the Lord sustains us and that he has loved us first. So it is exhausting to be in the lives of other people, but he fuels us and has poured into us so abundantly that there is every bit of energy to pour into other people's lives. So closing thoughts. Our base in Christ is how we build relationships with others. Remembering our call, who called us, and how he has equipped us for our call allows us and calls us forward to imitate him by entering in, imitating Christ, identifying with others' suffering, and answering our call in that relationship to bring them to the true hope. So, yes, that is it. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you for... This reminder of how you have entered into relationship with us, Lord, we ask that as we lean into relationships with others, that we would first and foremost lean into our relationship with you. Teach us how to love people. You teach us how to identify with their suffering. You teach us how to speak truth and hope to people. So we ask that you would help us to do that, Lord. We ask as we go to small groups and unpack this a little bit more that you would teach us. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. Please keep an ear out for more audio upcoming from WIM.